Street at SAFM Radio and at Songhezumapete. Seemingly isn't a good day between our connectivity. We are unable to connect through to Apiwe Hotele. We were hoping to catch her on Zoom. Unfortunately, she has not been able to log on. So we will have to, ladies and gentlemen, please, with your indulgence, move on and forward with what would be a story for the top of the hour, as has been now our tradition on SAFM, The Viewpoint, at 21 hours to do a health story. We are now bringing that health story forward Perhaps even appropriately so, because Limbopo surgeons to honor Nelson Mandela by operating on 67 babies. That is something that is now taking place at Mangueng Tertiary and Academic Hospital in the Bulugwane municipality, particularly at Capricorn District. Started at 8 hours this morning. They're going on right through until midnight. The MEC for Health in the province of Limbopo, Dr. Bobi Ramatuba, is on the line to share with us what this is all about, of course, it's about Nelson Mandela and 67 minutes and 67 years and 67 hours, anything and everything to do with 67. But beneath that layer, it is so much more and it really is a victory for health and for the best interests of the children in this country, not least in the province of Limbobo. So, Bobby, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SAFM. These are exciting times. Surely they are. Please share with us what's happening at the Mankwang Tertiary and Academic Hospital. To all your listeners up to there, what, what we can indicate is that as a province, we felt it's important to honor a former President Nelson Mandela but by what he believes in. And we all remember that in 1994, when he was elected the state president, one of the first... Um, policies that came up was to make sure that he abolished a uh, payment uh, uh, for children under four, five at the beginning and uh, in subsequent years under seven and also free uh, maternal health care services, meaning every pregnant woman, uh, including when they are at the preferral stages, would access free health from primary health care level up to tertiary and academic or central uh, healthcare services. That we, we believe that uh, President uh, Nelson Mandela uh, believed and was very passionate uh, about the healthcare of our children and our babies because he believed that there's no nation that will survive if it doesn't look after its babies or its children. And today we felt to honor him Let's mobilize uh, surgeons uh, from not uh, within the borders of uh, the province, even beyond, uh, especially those that we know are sons and daughters of this province. They might be in other parts of the country. But we felt let's give, if they are to come, whether they are in the private sector or in the public sector, but let's use this day to go back to the basics and get all those children who have been waiting to be operated and get them operated. And, and we use the 67 number because it's, it's the number that we, we identify the 67 minutes uh, with uh, President Mandela. And we are excited. Uh, the surgeons are still in theater. Uh, they are still going on. Mangueng Hospital is currently dealing with uh, uh, those complicated cases because that's where you would find 
pediatric surgeons like Professor Chiflaro from Gauteng and and other surgeons there. Uh, in other uh, district hospitals, uh, they were not dealing with complicated cases, but they were minor. But 45 cases are those uh, cases which some of them would not necessarily be operated in the province. At times, you would have to refer them outside uh, the province. Let's talk about the fact that there will be 67 babies who will be operated on at Mangueng Tertiary and Academic Hospital. And the, of, or rather, of these 67 babies, 45 of these operations will be taking place at Mangueng and the remaining across rural hospitals in the province. Can you share with us, please, not the identities or anything to do with the babies, but the sorts of procedures that will be taking place and the operators who will be involved in this because I think it is a, a noble initiative of course but there are so many other questions that perhaps we might use this opportunity to engage the health questions associated with in fact what is happening. We, we have a team of different uh, specialties for instance in the morning at 8 o'clock we, the, we had a team of uh, plastic and reconstructive surgeons uh, when I was there in theater, they were operating a 30-day-old baby. Um, there are quite a number of um, children or babies born with cleft palate, whom they will be currently busy uh, uh, operating on them. There are quite a number of babies whom I've seen with undescended testes, I've seen uh, babies with different types of hernias, and and all the congenital abnormalities that we usually see, um, especially um, around our rural areas where uh, most of the time, because for instance, the two mothers that I interviewed with babies with cleft palate, uh, they were sharing painful stories mm. with me to say, uh, in, their, in their village, when you give birth to a baby with cleft palate, you are labeled probably you are a witch because it's not normal to give such a death to such babies. So, so you would see that the trauma that even the mother herself is subjected to, uh, coincidentally, it's not the father of the baby who is labeled mm. a witch. It becomes the mother. So, so you will see that the distress that um, in in the face of those mothers, and when they see hope and 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 uh, seeing these surgeons, so. I was sharing with them to say President Mandela represents hope and resilience, and that's what we want to see this project achieving. Hope for the hopeless mother out there, resilience from the mother who has been who is out there, who doesn't know when will my baby be operated. And also, when we share this story, we're trying to educate the public to understand that uh, children can be born with congenital abnormalities. There's nothing wrong with the parents. It's just that way, and there are ways where we can correct. Your baby can be born with a club foot. We will definitely correct. What is very sad is that President Nelson Mandela, while he has fought for uh, dignity to all of us uh, to make sure that health becomes a basic human right, uh, free access to health, he introduced it without even uh, waiting for the national health insurance. He just made that decision, that bold decision, so we're saying, we, despite those uh, policies that are there in government, we are still seeing so many children out there suffering 
growing up with disabilities on conditions that could have been corrected at best, but we are unable to do that. Why so is that? I mean, if, if, if that is the case, why is the system not able to get these operations done at the time at which it could or should be done? I mean, a cleft lift, I mean, the, the, the cleft lip is one of the easier procedures to do. It does not take long and there can be full recovery within good time and it doesn't have to take place once the baby is a few years old. It can literally happen when the baby's an infant. What are the challenges, perhaps is the question, in the public health care system that is unable to have these operations as they are happening this evening so much earlier in the life of the child? Let, let me be honest. The resource distribution in terms of our health care services is really unequal and it is unfair. If you look at a province like ours, Limpopo, where more than 91% of the population is un, it's not insured, they are dependent on the public health care services for their health care. It's less than 8% that can afford private health care. But look into how many specialists we have in the public service compared to the specialists that we have in the private sector. Look at the nurses' distribution. You look at the one nurse in a public hospital. That professional nurse or ICU nurse is subjected to look at four patients in ICU in the private in the public sector. Whereas you go to their counterparts in the public in the private sector, only one professional nurse with an ICU expects. It's, it's allocated just one thing. What's the solution? One is to What's one. the solution that you the propose, The solution, that is, why, that is why when the government, uh, when we came up with the policy of national health insurance, it, it's mainly to redistribute the funding from, so that you can make sure, because the, the, the private sector, it's funded even by the poor and the public sector. Uh, my medical aid as an NEC, it's subsidized by any other person which is, I feel, is unfair. The situation is that those who are able to afford must subsidize those who can't afford. So until we redistribute even the resources from concentration on the private sector to both public and private, and also from concentrated on the urban areas, both the rural and the poor. If I'm to give you a simple example, if I'm driving with my domestic worker and my children and I get involved in an accident, even if I have got scratches, when the emergency medical services arrive, the private sector that arrives, I can be airlifted to the best facility in the country. If my domestic worker, because she, she's not having a medical aid and she's severely injured, she will be told to wait for the public service ambulance, which are busy dealing with all this. Uh, Although it shouldn't that happen that way because nobody can be denied emergency medical um, assistance, that is, that's a constitutional injunction. That is mode. the constitution, but private sector is also profit-driven. We can say it's the best, but it's profit-driven. No, if you look today... If I may also this, engage you, please, dear MEC, because I think yes. this is an opportunity for us to get some concessions one way or the other. That doesn't change the fact that, as you have lamented earlier on, the public service itself is not consumer-friendly. I think there can be no dispute that most, if not all, public health care facilities, okay, all is too strong a term, most, just do not give the patient or the potential consumer that sense of confidence that this is a facility where one can take care 
not just of the clinical health, but just also of the mental health, purely because one is greeted by all these challenges that you have maintained, waiting times, lack of medication, the poorness of the facility, and everything else boils down ultimately to the fact that the clinical and medical treatment that one does get is not of the quality that one should otherwise enjoy per constitutional and other injunctions, policies that you refer to. How can the public service better its own performance from a planning perspective, from a monitoring perspective, for an evaluation perspective, and also from a consequence management perspective? I mean, we saw what happened in Gauteng recently when a doctor decided to simply tell the truth that many people know to be the truth. And first of all, how he was dealt with before the public outcry essentially maintained him in his position. How do we change that experience? It's felt not just by the patients, of course, but also by the practitioners in the facilities. I agree with you in, in most of the issues that you are raising. That's what we are experiencing every day. Number one challenge which we can't run away from is the resources allocation. And that has to be addressed. And, and I will continue to advocate for the resources. More resources must look at where more patients are. Secondly, public sector deals with volumes. And those volumes, you don't find them in the private sector. When a physician in the public service is subjected to see more than 200 patients a day, and a physician in the private sector could only see less than 10 patients a day, you don't expect the one in the public sector to provide quality. When you look at the salaries and reinvestment of physicians in the public sector compared to their counterparts in the private sector, the one who sees 10 patients might see uh, might be paid more. That is why you see even our specialists at times, even if they're employed in the public service, they end up going to be doing what we call ROPs so that they can get remunerated outside the public service because they will be remunerated far better when they are seeing those 10 patients compared to when they are seeing the 200. The issues of management and poor management of our institution, it is a fact that uh, consequence management, sometimes when you, even the, the, the profession themselves, the doctors, they are not honest. When you have a hospital manager, who is failing to provide, and you would see that this person, you have tried to uh, uh, recycle him or her from one hospital to another, continue to fail. When you charge and dismiss, because he's a doctor, all doctors would have to come and, and cry foul. Which is, for me, if we can sort out management of our hospitals also, we can deal with a number of issues that uh, are there causing problems. For instance, the example you are raising, the issues that, that the, the, the doctor has been raising. Some of them are management issues which can be dealt at a facility level. So consequence management must start at the hospital, whether you are a CEO or a clinical manager. When you accept to be a manager of a hospital, it means you are saying, I'm part of the system and I'm part of solutions. You can't be part of a problem when you are part of management. Otherwise, step down as a manager and allow those who are prepared to work as managers. Yes, private sector. I can tell you they do better when it comes to management. When you are at work for eight hours, you give eight hours. If you don't, there is consequence management. Because probably, hence I'm saying, your shareholders of that particular hospital, they're not going to smile with you when they look at the stock exchange and the price, their share price is not performing. So you ought to perform. But in the public sector, who is our shareholders? These are the poor patients who do not have a voice, who cannot speak. So that is why you see us really failing. Two things that must happen. 
public sector must deal with its inefficiency, uh, the, the waste that is there, the failure to management, uh, to manage the poor attitude, the entitlement, the sheltered employment by us public servants. Private sector, we must deal with these issues of chasing profit. Health cannot be a commodity that you would want to make profit on it. Health must be treated as a basic human right, such that if I get an accident and I'm in a private hospital, I should be stabilized first. But what we see happening is that... We know what's going on. Let me just go back to the conversation in hand, please. Uh, The MEC for Health in Limpopo, Dr. Popi Ramatuba, is on the line. We have 10 minutes of this conversation, and I'd certainly implore those who are party to this conversation to, in fact, participate. Johannesburg, 714-2006. 0614104107. That's a WhatsApp facility. For those of you who are listening and want to join in, please do participate. Of course, we have gone off a tangent, a very necessary one at that. Limpopo surgeons to honor Nelson Mandela by operating 67 babies. We've delved into some of the challenges that are faced. And whatever is true for Limpopo province is largely true for the public health care system of other provinces. I think of particularly the Eastern Cape, even though it doesn't have the unique challenge that Limbobo has, and perhaps this is a point that is also crippling the healthcare system from a resource allocation perspective and the inability to plan efficiently, given the fact that our borders are porous and Limbobo has three national borders. It has to contend with Zimbabwe, north to the east of that. It is Mozambique, and to the west of that, it would be Botswana. These are some of the challenges that the primary health care givers of the Limbobo Department of Health have to deal with. And of course, on the constitutional injunction that nobody may be denied access to health care, that becomes a challenge. But let's go back to this. 67 babies are being operated. One might argue a bit too late, but never too late. The question has to be, how do we ensure we get these 67 babies onto the roll for much earlier clinical intervention, for the dignity of their lives, and for their full health scorecard, if you like. Second, and more importantly, this initiative, 67 Babies Following Make Every Day Nelson Mandela Day, how do we ensure we can get to meet some of the backlog in some of these operations that these very vulnerable babies have been waiting for and will wait for after today? How do we ensure we get... You know, you know if, if I'm to share with you, if you were to follow us as Limpopo Department of Health, we have always been uh, initi- uh, come up with a lot of initiatives mm. appreciating the challenges we have. On a monthly basis, since 2020, learning from the hard lockdown that had an impact on the surgical backlog, which was there even prior COVID, but mm. were worsened by hard lock. We came up with a project called Rural Health Matters, and I will ask you to go and follow it. The time when we started our rural health project, what we do is that we take our specialists on a monthly basis. We identify a district, for instance, last month, we were in November district, where we identify rural hospitals. We take all the specialists from all over the country who want to join us, go there, spend a week, operate and clear the surgical backlog. We go to Skukune, like this coming Monday, we're going mm-hmm. to Skukun. Next month, we'll do water back. So that is why if you really, if I'm to challenge you to look at the backlog, even the cases we are operating today, compared to what we had last year and the year before, the babies that we are operating today are the babies who have been diagnosed, some of them, two or three months ago, whereas it was not even the case in the past. Mm. 
Mm. You look even in our cataract surgical backlog. When we started, we had so many. I think I remember in 2020. Today, we can even come up in, in our in our uh, campaign only have to operate a, at most a, a 50 a week. But in the past, we used to operate more than 300 just in a week. So just to show you that we have got types of initiatives. Mm. We just used, like, last year, we had the 150 years of national lot of Our female surgeons in this country, we came together to say, let's operate 150 uh, cases women during the August month in honor of the 150 years of national law. But people were asking, what have you been doing in the past? And I'm saying, we use our leader to inspire us to bring dignity in our people. And if that is working for us, it doesn't mean we are operating for the first time. But the reality of the matter is that when a baby is born with death palate, and Dr. Nechongwale, for instance, decide to book for an operation, while he's is the, the, the slate to be performed on a Tuesday, and a, a gunshot would come, or a drunken step would come, it affects, you will have to stop, and, and, and because the general surgeon will say, I need to save a life. Your cleft palate is a cold case, it's an elective postponed. And that's what brings about bad luck. So, so you, you, you will find that trauma cases, are the ones which make us sometimes... How, how, how is everything that you are saying, and, and this is more of a generalist question, not necessarily a Limbopo-based question, that what you are saying essentially a resource, particularly a human resource challenge, against the fact that so many qualified South African medical practitioners, doctors, are without work. Surely that comes back to a question of planning in the public health care system that whatever it plans, sometimes it is not in the context of what is available to it. Because it is a fact there are South African doctors who are now without employment who could be plugging serious holes, holes of the kind that you are lamenting or challenges that now require the public health care system to always be playing catching up to what its needs are on the ground. The question is, what type of a doctor are we referring to whom we say is unemployed? Give me a CV of a plastic surgeon, a general surgeon, an ophthalmologist who is unemployed. I will appoint them tomorrow. So, so when we say there are doctors who are unemployed and we are referring to those who just completed their internship of community service, it's another debate for another day. But here what we are dealing with is cases that require specialist care and they are not there. And for obvious reasons. To an extent, it does require that. Let me engage you because I'm not convinced that is entirely accurate. If just to use your example of the specialist care that is required for the, let me call the cold cases to which you make reference to, trauma, I don't imagine there's a South African medical practitioner who has not been to a medical ward in this country as part of their training. So in any event, the fact that there are medical practitioners who are without work in an environment where their work is certainly needed or their skill is needed, there is definitely an issue for the public health care system to have to address. I'm not necessarily talking about the skills required in the cosmetic space as plastic surgeons are generally in. I'm talking about a medical practitioner, South African qualified through South African resources, who has a skill that is desirous in the public health care system not being absorbed by that health care system that is replete with a myriad of challenges as to which you've made reference to. How is that in this context occasional? I think you, you, I think you are not understanding what we're saying. We are not understanding each other. Let me 
explain what I'm talking about. When I graduate, I'm a medical officer. But if someone comes with a stab wound on the chest, I might not be able to attend to that patient. I might require a general surgeon. I might require a cardiothoracic surgeon. And also for your information, plastic and reconstructive surgeons are not for cosmetics. We, we reduce them to those who will be for breast, breast reductions or a, 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 all, all those sort of nose jobs and whatever. That's not really true. They do far much more. Even they are there required for emergency services. So what I'm saying is that the skills you are referring to that is out there is the skills that I can appoint to go and work in a rural hospital, in Sikororo Hospital. But when they are encountered with a gunshot, they can't, they would have to refer to a trauma surgeon. And the trauma surgeon they are going to find in Petersburg or Mankwey. And those trauma surgeons are the ones that I'm saying, they are not available in the country. Because to train one from a medical officer from grade 12, if you go to medical school, until you become a super specialist, you require not less than 17 years. If I'm to break down those years, I can do that. So I'm just saying to you, the skills that we require for all these procedures mm-hmm. that we are talking about, those that you find in the private hospitals, are the skills that are not necessary on the out today to say they are unemployed. I agree fully with you. We need to appoint these medical officers and equip them with the skills. But we, we, for us to equip them, we need these specialists to come and train them. For instance, tonight, Professor Chiflaro, who is the first black pediatric surgeon, who is from Houteng, who is here in the province, he's also one of his, uh, his duties today. It's not just to operate on those babies, but also to impact skills to some of the junior specialists who are here in the province. And where do you get skills like Chiflaro? You can't just easily find them to say they are out there being unemployed. There is in no way that you can specialize in those fields and you'll be roaming around with a CV. So the skills that we need are differing. We might be medical doctors and we might be able to do the word round, but we might not be able to attend to certain cases. So this is what I am currently referring to. Specialists, you will find them in the private sector, in the urban areas. You will not find them in the rural area. Yeah, very well. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much, MEC. You certainly are passionate, and I certainly do appreciate that. I appreciate your time. And this is probably a call for us then to have more regular engagement. But certainly I don't think either of us will dispute the fact that if there are medical practitioners who have the skills and the qualification, they should at once be absorbed into the South African public health care system. Big ups to you for this initiative. And in line with Make Every Day and Nelson Mandela Day, I would imagine we're going to hear more of these stories and not necessarily on the 150th celebration of the year of Charlotte Matleke or 67 babies because it's Nelson Mandela Day, but more often because it's the right thing to do. Yes? Maybe yes. It's 21 hours nonetheless, though it's time for news.